Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now before we get started, I just wanted to um, say that I this coming weekend on Saturday the 19th, I will be out and about at Anime NYC. So if you see me, I will drop hints on, but I will drop hints about what I look like on the and on my Instagram account, which is Lunchbox Radio underscore Podcast. Um, definitely come up and say hi. Like I'm, I'm not gonna bite. I promise. Um, but on that note, if you haven't listened to the previous episode all about um, Licorice Recoil. Definitely go do that. You can do that right now in whatever podcast app you are listening to me right now. So that brings us to what we're talking about today. And that's a little show, and I'm not sure if I've covered this. I feel like I've covered this, but I've also like I've talked about this show a lot because it's a show that inspires conversation. I'm not gonna say whether that conversation is good or bad, but just by me saying that, you could probably assume some thoughts, but that show or that property, because there's a couple different, there's a, there's, I think two movies and three seasons of this show. Like this show was very popular in its day. That show is Psychopath. <laughs> Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the um, cyberpunk genre, I'm going to be leaning on... I'm definitely going to be leaning on Ghost in the Shell here a lot because I think that looking at Ghost in the Shell... I'm thinking at looking at, th- at this show in comparison to specifically Ghost in the Shell is a good is a good way to evaluate how well Psychopath doesn't certain areas and how badly it does in other areas. Um, but generally generally speaking, the best cyberpunk stuff does not get super specifically 
into one facet of its world. If you look at Ghost in the Shell, if you look at, um, if you look at, uh, if you look at, if you look at Cyberpunk, the video game, or now the anime, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which you can go listen to the extremely popular episode I did on that in the feed in whatever app you're using to listen to me right now. But the, like, long and short of it is, is that Cyberpunk is, has, has a lot to say about society and it's it's meant to be a mirror of where society could be going in both good and bad ways oftentimes very bad ways and that's what makes something like um cyberpunk edge runners or even something like bubblegum crisis or certainly ghost in a shell work psychopaths tried to do something tried to reach for something very different though. Psychopath is saying, welcome to this cyberpunk world. We are going to focus in on one very specific part of this world. And that very specific part is the system that ha- that the criminal justice system in Japan, and they make a point in the show saying it's only Japan, in the country of Japan has evolved into. And that's this system run by a run by an algorithm essentially called Sybil, who we'll get to, who we'll get to later. That revolves around the idea of grading people's mental health and using that as a way to go um, full minority report on the entirety of the nation of Japan. And when, and if you've never seen Minority Report, what Minority Report is, is essentially it's a star Tom Cruise and he's this cop who seeks to stop criminals before they do crimes. <laughs> and not like... And it's done using these like three weird milk twins, these like weird milk triplets who like hang out and they see clairvoyant things about who's about to commit a crime. In Psychopath, because the minority report thing is a bit too it's a bit too specific and a bit too weird, even in that movie, it's like, this is a little strange. But you buy it because Tom Cruise movie you there to see him like bust through a glass wall while it's also a TV and like tackle somebody in the subway station. This show Crips from that a lot, but what it's doing is it's saying, okay, if you if you are alive, you have what's called a psychopath, and basically that is without getting into the mumbo jumbo into like the sci-fi mumbo jumbo of it, it's an algorithm is reading your mental stability and is making leaps and jumps about what your mental stability is going to mean in the days, years, months, weeks ahead. And what it's doing is saying, okay, if you're around, if you're under a hundred, 
If you're if you're psychopath under a hundred, you're considered what the show calls clear. At least that's the best I can. If you get into like seventy five to a hundred, you're probably like in a certain kind of danger zone. But if you're under a hundred, you are not what they refer to as a latent criminal. However, once you get into like the like hunt the triple digits, you start to be a target for what the show refers to as enforcement. Now, this is this is part of where this concept gets interesting because enforcement is done by these specialized guns they call dominators, and the dominators have, uh, I think, four. They have three settings, maybe four. I'll count them out. The first setting is paralyzed. Actually, let's call it five. Actually, the first setting is it's locked. You are not a target for enforcement. And what that means is if a dominated pointed at you, it tells the user, either an inspector or an enforcer, we'll get to those in a second. What, and this is, I want to be clear, if I'm doing this for people who haven't seen this show, even if you have seen this show, because brushing up on this stuff makes it a lot easier to like digest what I'm going to go into afterwards. And the... So... If the, let's say, enforcer or inspector points dominator at you and it reads 36, it, it will say, the dominator will literally have like a robotic Siri voice that says, target is not at risk of, of, of committing a crime. Target is not, it's not, it's not a target for enforcement. The trigger is now locked. And it sounds pretty like flat and even in a female voice. And that, that means that you can't, that like the, who gets shot with the dominator is not up to the person wielding the gun. It is up to the, the actual gun itself, which is interesting. But it, it's still up to the person wielding the gun because they have to ultimately unholster it and point it at a person to get the reading at all. But what this and that will and that will come up in one of the few ways that I think this show really. I think there are strengths. I think there are. I think that the show is very uneven, but I think one of its psychopathic strengths is that it's not telling you everything all the time. It's not. Sit, it's not like, come here, sit down, let's explain what just happened. It's trusting that you as the viewer are at least intelligent enough to see what a character, like what is the, what the cog is that in a character's mind. And they'll give you little hints, but they're not going to tell you outright. They're going to get, they're going to have the confidence that you know what's going on. And in the case of the dominator, once you point a dominator at somebody, it gives you their crime coefficient, which is the psychopath number that means they're either either the triggers locked the first the first um, mode, the triggers unlocked, and it's in paralyzer mode, which essentially is a fancy stun gun. The trigger is unlocked, and it's in lethal eliminator mode, which is the um, which is like you turn them into a slushy of blood and organs on the floor. And the trigger is unlocked. 
this thing isn't human, but it is a threat. This is, I think does they call it decomposer mode. And that's the fourth mode. And so you essentially have cops. You essentially have two kinds of police in this show. You have the, the people who are actually doing the work of cops. Actually, you find out in, like, the third season, the cops are a thing. Like, the cops are their own thing. And they're just, like, keeping the peace and, like, running traffic circles and shit. But the, but the, like, cops that you would think of as a beat cop are all characters who are what they would call latent criminals. And what a latent criminal is, is in this society, if your psychopath goes above a certain... If you become mentally unstable above a certain number, I think it's like once you hit like uh, uh, the 100 to 200 range, you're judged to be what they call um, a latent criminal. And once you're late and once you have that level of psychopath, you oftentimes are sent to a nut house. They, they call it therapy. They call them therapy centers. But they are nut houses. They are like padded rooms. Sit here until you calm down. Fucking nut houses. And here's what I want to like break from the concept here. And I want to talk about my belief about whether or not you can see a society as being a good thing or a bad thing. Because there's something pretty clear in Ghost that's true in Ghost in the Shell that isn't true here. In Ghost in the Shell, the kinds of stuff that Matoko and Section 9 are getting up to in that in that world is not stuff that other that people who are not military personnel would normally encounter or understand. They might know certain weird little tidbits about it, like they probably know about cybernetic about cybernetic implants, about Cyberization. They may be completely cyberized themselves and have a full and have a full prosthetic body, but they're not like super into it. They may see it on the news, but they're not ultra super into it because society has not gone that bad on them yet. If that makes any sense, and a lot of the reason why Section Nine is kept secret in that show's universe is because, like, normal people don't need to know this shit. Like, they don't need, like, just this lady going to the, going to the store does not need to know that there's a super secret military, paramilitary force of, like, 18 people who can just un take you apart like a Lego kit. Like, <laughs> that's not knowledge she needs, that, like, somebody, in, a mom in a store needs. And the best demonstration of that is actually the character Togusa. He has a whole family that like knows he's a cop but doesn't actually know super what he does and it doesn't super matter to them <laughs> as long as they're not in danger. But in Psychopath every single person you meet knows about the like judgment that's being passed on your mental health. And it has taken over their lives. That judgment has been taken over, the, taken over their lives to such an extent that the system that runs the like 
scanning of people's psychopaths is is like the sorting hat for people's lives in this show in the in this version of Japan. It will tell you whether you are a banker or a you know Pilates instructor. It will tell you whether you are like a blue collar worker or a white collar worker. It will tell you whether you'll be rich or poor and what's best suited to you. And its word is kind of fucking absolute. And that should give you an idea of how bad shit has gotten here. Like how how bad like how sideways shit has gone already. Because this thing that can, this like this number that is a number that revolves around your mental health that you don't necessarily always control. It's something that you know at all times that you are aware of. And if it gets, if it goes too high, super cops will show up and at the very least tase you and watch you piss the floor, watch you piss yourself on the floor. Or at the very worst, Super cops will show up and they will shoot you and you'll blow up like like the guy from Akira and explode like a blood balloon. This is not a great society, <laughs> to say the least. Now, that setup gets us to... That setup of like what psychopaths are. The, and, the, and all of this is... The entirety of society is run by Sybil or... What's colloquially known as Sybil, but it's actually referred to as the Sybil system, which is a big um, algorithm that makes hundreds and thousands of calculations a second, determines your psychopath, determines your career opportunities, uh, takes everything that could have a, takes everything outside of your immediate personal life and like just figures it all out for everybody. Now, this is definitely good and bad. Because as you know, if you have a good if you have a great job and you have like this, that, and the and if you have a great job and you know you get paid well, you live in a nice place, that's something like currently and I talked about this in um the licorice recoil episode. That's your A, that's a choice you can make. You can go down that path and you can live in like a great area and all this stuff. And that's very much in people's control currently. But it also has to do with all kinds of factors and all kinds of other things. And throughout this show, you meet people who in the old world were the like pinnacle of what you would consider like, oh, this guy is doing the right thing. This guy was a college professor. He was teaching criminal psychology at like a top school in Japan and this is actually a real a character um by the name of um Saiga Joji and or Joji Saiga and he essentially is unemployed and on and on a very extensive government dole in addition to the money he obviously had saved up from his from his long teaching tenure because there's no need for that at all because that kind of criminal psychology is now dangerous because thinking like a criminal leads to your crime coefficient going up and then makes you a criminal. You see that in one of the um, enforcers in the first season, um, Masuoka. 
he's actually the father of one of the um, inspectors named um, Ginzo, named Ginzo, and he was an excellent detective. So excellent that he could think so much like a criminal that it caused his crime coefficient to like rocket, and he ended up becoming an inspector at like once the civil system took over the police in that way. And they do a good job of showing you how all of the inspectors that you first meet are are good people, are are people who are are people who the system has failed. So um probably the, the, of course there's the kind of second main the like main supporting character aside from um Akani Tsunamori in the in the first season named Shinya Kogami. And Shinya Kogami used to be an inspector. He ended up becoming obsessed with the case and spiraled into into kind of like this obsession and anger and it, that's what caused his crime coefficient to go up and he became a latent criminal and he was demoted to enforcer. And enforcers are like they're like beat cop slaves, if this makes any sense. They are essentially prisoners who are being kept by the state, but but by the state as in the like the Japanese government or civil. They are locked, they're confined to the police headquarters when they're off. So like they can't leave and just go walk around. They need an inspector to um accompany them for any of that shit. And they They are serving society by being the essentially the gun that the the inspectors can't be. They are they do all the investigative work and stuff that inspectors can't do because if if an inspector gets too close to doing real detective work, that could cause them to think like a criminal, and it could cause their crime coefficient to go up. AKA, like cases of Kogami. And like cases of Masuoka. But, um, the. There are other characters that you meet in this. There is, um, Shion Ka- Karanamori, and she is a latent criminal who is essentially. Who is probably like a hacker or something. This government caught was like, hey, you don't seem super violent. <laughs> How about you get a nice office job? <laughs> and you're stuck in that office. And she is, she's like their tech support, like, all-around computer person. There's Yayoi, there's a character named Yayoi, who used to be a government-sanctioned punk rock musician. And, like, she got a really, a little too into punk rock lifestyle, and she became an enforcer. Now, with Yayoi and, um... And Xi'an, I actually want to talk about this here because I think this is oh, this is an interesting, probably unintentional, but interesting. Although it could be intentional. Um, what if scenario within this already interesting what if scenario? And that is Yayoi and Xi'an are sleeping together. They are a same-sex couple, essentially. At least that's what you... You get the idea that they're like, oh, 
we're into each other, so we're going to fuck. And they're like, we're going to be cool with each other. And they make no secret of this. At the first time you meet Yayoi, she's putting her tights back on because her and Shion were fucking around when nobody was looking in Shion's office. And that seemed to suggest in this show that your sexuality has a effect on what your psychopath is. So that's your first hint that the psychopath is not this, like, perfect thing, if you haven't gotten that already. The second hint is the last character who you meet, um, Kagari. And Kagari, spoilers for this entire show, by the way, because of the way I want to talk about it, is this kid who was, who was flagged by the civil system when he was a child, when he was, like, under 10 years old, he was flagged by the civil system as a latent criminal, and he never had a life. His choice was get turned into goo or become a enforcer. So he became an enforcer. And what you see in him is this hatred for every... It's this kind of, like, gruff disregard for logic on all levels. Like, there's a scene when they're like, we gotta stop these guys, and Kanamori and Kagari's response is, why don't we just hit them with the fucking car we're in? <laughs> Which is a solution, but it's also a thing a sociopath says. But the point is that he doesn't care about most of society, most of, if not all of this society, because this society picked him up at birth and said, you're not worth it. The only way you'll be worth it is if you act as a dog on a leash for us to command for your entire life. And you see with the range of ages in the enforcers in all the, in all the iterations of this show, in all the seasons or um, moments in this show, that these people, that once you become a latent criminal, the system is built to keep you there. It's not built to make it easy for you to come back down. And the system's also built to scare the shit out of you. That if you are labeled latent criminal, it's really difficult to get back from there. And you, it's pretty clear to anybody who's got eyeballs that when you see footage of inside the mental health treatment centers and like when you see footage of um therapists they don't they're not giving anybody tools to improve themselves and the reason why this is is because nobody wants to get too close to the mind of anybody with a high sight with a high psychopath because that will affect them emotionally and if they get affected emotionally their psychopath goes up and then bam they're right in the same place so what happens in like the mental health facility is you're essentially stuck stuck in a padded cell and a announcer voice because why would people actually talk to you um shows up and says and gives you what you're doing for the day, like tells you when the meals are, tells you when to wake up, tells you when to go to sleep. And then, but if, if you get agitated, if you say, ask for something from Amazon and your request was denied because 
It's the it's the equivalent of shoelaces in the psych ward. You and you get a little upset, and you get upset, and you're like, "I want to speak to I want to speak to the floor supervisor, or whatever." You are immediately fucking gassed, and then a bunch of nurses show up. Well away from you, like, protected behind the glass door so they can't actually hear you. And they're like, hey, we're going to leave some meds for you on this little tray. Make sure you take some, okay? We really want you to do well. And the whole thing is so patronizing and so... So not interested in helping the individual person, but, in, but interested in helping, quote-unquote, the needs of society... That it's not, it's not, it's not doing any good. That in this scenario, you can see a version, a version not far down the line, relatively speaking, of Tokyo, where they are locking up most of their citizens. <laughs> where most of the people in the world are, in Tokyo, in um, Japan, are being locked up because... They're mentally unstable because the system isn't designed to keep people stable. It's designed to scare them until they become unstable and then keep them unstable and lock them away for good. Now, here's where... Now, that's the, like, table stakes of this thing. Here's where the problems start. <laughs> and that is with our main character, Akani Tsunamori. So Colin Tsunamori is, like, the brand new inspector in, in the first episode of season one. It's the first day of her new job. And she is an honor student beyond honor student. She essentially scored the civil employment test version of your perfect score in your SATs. The world was open to her, and she chose to be an inspector for the MWPSD, or, like, the, the future version of the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department. Which means she chose to be a detective. And so, she becomes a detective. You see her first, you see her first everything. And you very quickly realize that Akane's psychopath is incredibly stable. Like, inc like unnaturally stable. And she is unnaturally stable. And it's not like unstable that is, she has main character energy. Although she is the main character and she does have some of that. For a certain amount of time. Although by season 3 she is fucking gone from the show. For plot reasons. Um, she's still alive but she's in a prison cell for who knows why. Um, but she is a she's like a, she's like a fucking rock. And the show just tells. At first the show is like I guess she's just fucking wired like this. And then they have the... the there's a there are some events in the show that lead to her a friend of hers being murdered by the main character by the main villain of the first season, um, a villain named Makashima Shogo Makashima, and Makashima is what they call criminally asymptomatic, and what that means is the what they call the seismatic scans, which are the scans to scan your psychopath do recognize him, do read him as a person, but they read him as an absolutely... They read him as an absolutely normal 
clear the bell day color because the the, the idea of a time psychopath is like a clear blue think about a clear blue sky that is like the ideal psychopath that's what um makashima and um akane achieve at all times basically a a bad psychopath is like a sewage water red brown gross deep dark color and like that passes through like blue green and all this other stuff but <clears throat> akane is supposed to be this like <clears throat> when you first meet her is considered to be a weird anomaly because she's not she's put through all kinds of mental stress and she seems fine at the end and her friends before one of them dies even say like she was <clears throat> you you take terrible care of yourself you get no sleep you don't even have a mental health care routine how the fuck are you like are you not just the biggest murderer and she's like i don't know i just like i'm just chill i guess and eventually with makushima they give that they give that they give that aspect a name and that is criminally asymptomatic and it's an anomaly found in people that means that the the algorithm of the civil system doesn't know how they think, can't can't comprehend it, so it can't judge them properly. It judges them as if they are just a normal person. And this is obviously a problem because if you have somebody like Akane, that's fine. She is not only an upstanding member of society, but she is, it turns out, the perfect um the perfect version of what society's looking for in the job she has, which is a criminal investigator, because you need to have somebody who has the mental fortitude to encounter crime after crime after crime, dilemma after dilemma after dilemma, and not be... and not get shook like a leaf. And Akane had that. Now, in the second season, they introduce um, a, uh, Shimosuke, a second investigator who works under Akane. And Akane's biggest problem in this show is, like, she keeps getting flighted by, profession by people who are being assholes to her professionally. The first one she gets flighted by is Ginza. And when G and Ginza spends time as a... Uh, investigator but then ultimately he becomes an enforcer when his psychopath gets too high and he it deemed a latent criminal and they're like yeah but you're still good you're still like you're still good we can make you a enforcer and take away your human rights and you'll be fine um but Ginza is genuinely worried about her but he's worried about her in the way that society worries about people and he's like you you can't get too close to this, these investigations or else your psychopath will take a hit and you'll end up like my old partner. You know, the grumpy dude who's real hot, who, who's, who you've got the hots for, a.k.a. Kogami. But Shimotsuki is a totally different thing. Shimotsuki has her ass, has her, 
has her has her nose so far up the ass of fucking the system she can taste daylight and it's like wherever that thing goes and this and in that scenario you see the real differences between a character they could have written Akane as and the character that Shimosuke is that that Mika Shimosuke is and at some point in the second season of that show they're like yeah we're just gonna be fine with this fucking pick me girl getting eaten alive by the gears of this system like the somebody at this show says oh she'll be eaten alive and we'll just have to like find a replacement it's not a big deal it's not a big deal she's not gonna live for much longer she ends up living for much longer, which really shows you the flaw in the system because it can't even do that fucking right. But the main reason why Akane keeps getting pushback from people is because she's not acting within the way this society has set up as a good way to act is. So people, so people are just like, how, how can you keep doing this? You're going to get fucked up. You're going to get thrown in jail. You're going to get dead. And Akane keeps proving like, no, I'm just a really well-adjusted person. And that means that I can just like, I, I know, I know that I can set a limit and it will, I can, I can draw a line and I won't cross it. And, but once again, when you see Makashima, you realize Akane is probably asymptomatic. She just has doesn't have the personality flaw of wanting to murder people. <laughs> and here's where the problem starts to pop up with with like Akane and all with all a all the first huge problem in the show is this show treats women like garbage, like pieces of trash, like terrible. This is a Deeply chauvinistic, deeply fucked up nightmare of a show for, like, the rights of women. It loves to, like, objectify women. It loves to kill women. It loves to show women being tortured, being verbally abused, being physically abused. And emotional and mental abuse all at the same time. This show hates women. Without doubt. And you get some of that feeling when you're watching it the first time. But by episode 11, you've got to not have eyeballs in your head to realize that, oh, fuck. This, like, if you've got, if you don't have a Y chromosome, you're not going to do very well in this show. This show is just built to torture you. And it does get, it does let up on the gas on that a little bit by but by season three the last the most recent season in that it sidelines a lot of the female characters so they can't be in a position to be tortured or fucked around with necessarily although they almost certainly will be um but the so that's the first thing that this show that's the first that's the first 
big problem that this show has. The second problem that this show has is that it's so focused on this one aspect of the cyberpunkness of this universe that is so arbitrary that it's not it's not it doesn't feel real enough and it doesn't feel like they they invent this number that is attached to every single character you see and it goes up and down depending on what the story needs and if the story needs a character number to stay clean at all times, it stays clean at all times. And they keep finding flaws in it. And the, what you're meant to what you're meant to understand by the end of season one is this system was always flawed, it will always be flawed, and it will always be a problem. And then by the end of season two, you see that the system is trying to improve upon itself because it's it has found a flaw that it can't incorporate and make itself better for just yet. And the idea is that like this system is so fucked up and Japan has become so isolationist that the system has been allowed to like prosper and has prospered largely because this system has kept Japan from the worst. By season three there's they straight up say like We've been kept from the worst of what humanity had done to itself. We've we've become the great we have become the actual greatest place to live in the world. But at what cost? What does that mean? What does that look like? And the point of the show is like you gotta take the good with the bad for every for every deep dark thought you have that could be linked to an amazing creative thought. And if you know anything about the people who make anime, the people who make art of any kind, you know, chefs, um, any kind of creative pursuit, we are not necessarily stable people. I hate to break it to you. We are not good old chips off the block. We are not in great places most of the time. We are pretty we are pretty fucked up in the way we think <laughs> and those fucked up and I talked about this a lot I talked about this show actually on a previous podcast I did called um, 24 Frames I think it was the name of it um, with my friend Lauren and she she hates this show with a violent passion because it, this show is so mean to women and it's like it, I would encourage you not to watch this if you if you are a woman because it's it's like not this show is not written for you. It's written to actively hate women. It's just not even though the main character even though it's got a female main character and it's got eye candy in the form of Kogami in the first season, it does not like you. It's not a fun time if you're a female viewer of the show. But this whole system is so flawed and has like been allowed to exist but it doesn't it's not serving anybody except for the system itself to continue existing so what you really start to realize in this show is that it's it's the civil system 
exists for the sake for the sake of the civil system to exist, and for sight and for the the um psychopath and crime coefficient like parts of the system exist to keep anybody from getting too civil. And by the end of the first season, you know what the civil system is. The civil system is not only an algorithm, but it's an algorithm composed of a, of a bioorganic computer of brains. Of like, end of, of the end of, um, what's it called? Of the end of Battle Angel Alita style, brains and vast that are constantly being engaged and disengaged to judge humanity. And what they've been doing is every time somebody like Shogo Makashima comes up, they get him and they incorporate him so they can incorporate his asympto- his criminally asymptomatic mind into the system and expand their range. And then you get to season two and you meet a character who's essentially a, um, a hive mind, um, because of a, because of a series of events in the past that, that was the result of Sybil essentially manipulating the, the society into allowing it to not exist, but take over all of society. You meet a, um, character named Kirito Kamui, who is essentially a person built out of other people, for lack of a better cop, like phrasing. He's essentially a homunculus of a person. And the civil system can't see him at all because it's only built to see a single person at a time. Even in a crowd, it's doing all those people individually. But commonly is you are looking at multiple people and you cannot divide us up. You're looking at multiple people in a single body. And the civil system does not do do that or deal with that. So the civil system is prepared to let him exist. But he ends up dying because of plot reason. So the only known um, variant of this, the like new thing that the civil system might have to deal with is immediately eliminated from the show because it does not serve essentially because it doesn't serve a purpose anymore and this this show just it's not it's clearly cribbing from ghost in the shell if you look in the background of one of certain shots in the first season you see um little tachkoma figurines hanging from a character's um workstation uh, and it's got a very Ghost in the Shell vibe. But because it's not, but because it's so honed in on this one aspect, and every other aspect it pulls into the story is because of that one aspect that it's focused on, it feels too self obsessed to be good, to work well. And, it, and by the. By the, by the second season, even. But by, by like two thirds of the way through the first season, really. You feel them stretching the content in ways that a better show wouldn't have. 
that a better show would have dealt dealt with differently would have approached as a problem. So in Go- in Ghost in the Shell, uh, and I keep leaning on it because it's really the best comparison for the show. The show does a really good job of that universe does a really good job of being oh it's the government that's the problem so we're going to deal with the problem the government created and then we're going to deal with the government we're going to do um a great example of this is the solid state society um movie the ghost in the shelf standalone complex solid state society uh, i've covered this before in the podcast you can go listen to it right now in the podcast feed in this app that you're using to listen to me right now um, but essentially that movie documents this scenario in which young kids are disappearing from Japan. They are being disappeared by something. And what it, you find out is that is a algorithm being on some levels knowingly and some levels unknowingly run by the government to disappear people, to disappear young kids for like a public good <laughs> for for what is perceived as a public good but that's still a fucking super crime <laughs> and the actual humans who are in charge pull back and say oh fuck let's deal with why these kids are disappearing and then let's stop it <laughs> no matter what it is and as soon as they find it they stop it and they can ca- they hatch a way for it to stop. Um, you see stuff like this in Rojin Z, although Rojin Z is a significantly more comical thing, of like what happens when you put machines in charge of taking care of the elderly. It spoiler, it does not go well. You see this in even something like um, uh, what's that terrorism show? Um, did a, did a show about terrorism, like a post 9-11 show about terrorism, terror and resonance. In terror and resonance, you see it, you see the result, these characters who are these teenage terrorists in Tokyo, in Japan, are the results of a fucked up government project that went sideways. You even see it in something like The Bourne Identity. Jason Bourne it's this super soldier that the government tried to make. And they fucked up so hard that they made it, that they made them, but they are like super psychos in the process and very unstable. And in each one of those shows, the human element is what saves the cyberpunk world from collapsing in on itself. The best thing and the worst thing about psychopath as a property is what it is that it does it very differently in that the human element of these shows are not helping to save society from itself. They are being willing participants in many cases to helping the system collapse around them. And the problem there comes in when you, when you as the viewer feel the long tail of like 
It's almost like a horror movie. Like, don't go in there. Like, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we? Why are we not arresting the guy? Who? Why are we pausing to not arrest the guy who fucking slits the girl's throat right in front of you just because the numbers don't go up real good when he does it? He committed a crime. The thought should not be, we don't know what to do. The thought should be, we have to get this guy and we have to put him in jail or kill him. <laughs> and the show does address this. It does say, people are so, you people gave up, and it says this by the end of the first season too, which I appreciate. It says, everybody gave up their freedom and they knew the risks of doing that but they honestly believed that there was no risk and that they were removing risk because they were moving forward into a society where everything was deeply safe so a great a great good perfect example of this is um and i'm gonna use an example a generalized example but then also a specific example in japan there are very few guns. It's very difficult to get a license to carry a firearm. Firearms on cops are rarely ever used and they are like tethered with like steel, with like a steel rubber coated slinky string thing to the police officer. Like you've got to, there's no getting a gun away from a police officer in the, in the same way that you might be able to in America, in Japan. The guns are taken extremely seriously and Japan is considered to be one of the safest places in the world for that reason. Now, it's not perfectly safe because there are plenty of scams and gangsters and all that stuff. But Japan also has a really high suicide rate. And the Japanese, like, the Japanese psyche has, had, has found some real fucked up ways to kill themselves. That um, if you read Tokyo Vice, one of the first things that um, one of the first stories that Jake Alstein works on is a story about a book I think called like the Expert's Guide to Suicide that just details really unique and interesting ways to fucking kill yourself politely and leave a note that explains what the fuck's up and. The cop and the cop who sees it ultimately says to Jake, like, this book is a, it's a plague. This book is not okay. Like, this book is a, it's bad fucking news. And, um, Jake ends up writing about it and blah, 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 blah. But this, but the concept behind psychopath is that taken to the extreme. It's people... We're so afraid of what, of the horrors that humanity could wreak on themselves. They got rid of the whole, they got rid of the entire garden because of the weeds, essentially. And it just doesn't, it, but because it's a like really specific thing, where they only go on the vignettes of people's path, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't, it's like, it doesn't feel like a full universe. It feels like you're in a bubble. And because they're not dealing with what the rest of the world looks like, except for in, um, 
there's a movie that does do that. Um, that's, uh, psycho, um, there's a movie called like Psychopath, like Outside or something that does do that briefly, but the, this show is both super specific and super convenient in the way it handles its plot. And that means that its plot suffers a lot. And like I said, it does the smart thing of show don't tell constantly. It does, it does the smart thing of the, the, the cases once they get going in this show are interesting. They are like, like they make you want to sit there and watch them. But then they drag them out. Then they have main characters who are, con who behave conveniently for the story. They have essentially a main character. In Akane, they have a main character who watches her friend die in front of her and kind of does nothing. Like, she, she, they, the show does a lot to explain it, but, like, she does become obsessed. She does want to, like, catch this guy. But... And maybe this is the era anime has slipped into, not the era that anime has always been in. But I just watched the last episode, the latest episode of Bleach, the one where um the the captain of the first squad just murders a man, like murders a man, ends his life without without question or remorse. It's just like, oh, you killed my friend. You're going to die. And that is so... That is so a... Fulfillment of an emotional need of the viewer. Even if they don't realize it. Even if they don't have connection to the weird guy who uses a rapier and has white hair who's the vice captain of the first squad, who you don't really know much about until they tell you a, a lot about him after he's dead in this current arc. You don't really care about him, but you care for the guy who cared about him. And that's the way they use the flashback. And it's not, it doesn't feel like this guy's about to die, so we're going to tell this story. He died at the end of the episode. Spoiler alert for the latest episode of Bleach. But you don't... They humanize this character through his rage and through the consequences he is imposing on... Not so much the world, but definitely the world of Bleach because as soon as he uses his Bankai, you feel like... Everybody's like, oh... Granddad is awake and it's bad. I hope he's finished soon or we're all going to cook in this bitch. And he goes for the throat in a way that this show never really happens in this show. And there's this Love and law and order. There's a love of law and order in 
that like it's a core thing at the center of Akane's character. But in a world, in a world even when this show came out, where Law and Order met, meant remarkably little, Law and Order has only like gone to gone on to mean less as we've like progressed. That like idealism seems off. It seems to miss the mark. And this is the last thing I'll compare. It's probably the last thing I'll say about this show because we're close to an hour here. But it's also the last thing I'll compare it with Ghost in the Shell to. In Ghost in the Shell, they not only have the scenario of if this is wrong, we should change it, but then they change it. In this in this show, they have the first thing down pat. They have the this is wrong, this is fucked up. But then ultimately nothing really changes. The, the story advances. Background characters change. People come and go. But the scenario they're all in is still the same. The society as it is still runs the same way. There's no... Between episode one of... Between the first episode of the first season and the last episode of the last season or the last minutes of the last movie as far as I can see. uh, The facts for the people, for everyday people, have not changed. Like, nothing has... No news report has been filed. Nobody knows that Sybil fucked up. Nobody knows that Sybil fucks up ever. The the core of it is is always the same. And one of the one of the things that makes cyberpunk feel alive is it feels like it's so far in the future that we that we can't that like we can. It's not so far in the future that we can't comprehend it, but so far in the future that we're not that we won't feel like we won't get there in our lifetime. But it's also in the middle of something. Like it, it's not the end destination; it's a stop in the journey of time. This feels an awful lot like it's gonna be this way for eons, and it's gonna suck. And that doesn't feel good to watch. But on that note, if you like this podcast, new episodes of it come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Um, This Sunday, which is going to be a Sunday edition, as I like to call them, will be a treat. Because I am going to go to, as I said before, um, Anime NYC in New York City. And I am going to talk about it on this very podcast. Once again, if you follow the... Um, podcast Instagram account, which is Lunchbox Radio underscore podcast over on Instagram, you will get a hint as to, oh, hey, if if you see somebody wearing this, it's probably Alex. You should come say hi. I promise I don't bite. Um, But until then, if I don't see you at Anime NYC, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I will talk to you on Sunday.
く。